Dr. Crystal here, an estimated one in 11 people will be diagnosed with PTSD in their lifetime. Stick around to hear firsthand a veteran's approach to healing with retired Command Sergeant Major Byron Ferguson. You're listening to Live Foreverish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your hosts, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gosser. Hello, welcome to Live Foreverish. Dr. Mike, PTSD. We have talked about this in the past uh, on our live show. We had a, a licensed counselor on to discuss the, the prevalence of PTSD, how she manages it uh, in her practice. And we wanted to bring in, you know, someone, give it, give it a different take from a personal perspective, uh, a veteran, from a veteran's perspective. I love this approach, right? We, we covered the science side, now we're gonna cover the, the personal side of it. So I think this is fantastic. Uh, Veterans Day uh, was just right around the, uh, that was what, last week? Yeah, Veterans Day was last week. So I think this is perfect timing. I just, let, let me go ahead and remind the audience of what, like those, the formal definitions. And then, and then we'll keep that, those, those definitions kind of in the back of our head as Byron gives us his experience and stuff like that. And um, um, so let me, so the National Institute of Mental Health defines PTSD as caused by, quote, a shocking, scary, or dangerous event, end quote. And then the World Health Organization describes it as, quote, exposure to an extremely threatening or horrific event or series of events. So that's that's the formal textbook definitions, right? Yes, and and our guest. Let's just let's just bring him on. Our guest today is Byron E. Ferguson. He's a retired command sergeant major uh, in the U.S. Army. Uh, he's a native of Central Florida, and he's a veteran. He served for 29 years on active duty with a specialty in air, missile, and ballistics defense. During his service in the armed forces, he rose through the ranks and held every leadership position for an enlisted soldier. Through the covering of God, he completed five combat tours in the Middle East with assignments between 13 different countries. He currently serves as a lead consultant and assistant program manager with War Fighting Systems Solutions Incorporated. Mr. Ferguson humbly values the opportunity to be a servant leader and mentors the youth and Dinget and his former, former and current soldiers. Command Sergeant Major Ferguson, I personally welcome you to the show. He is also my brother-in-law. Hey. So we're happy to have you. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Crystal and Dr. Mike, for uh, giving me this opportunity. It's definitely an honor to be here with you today. And we're going to talk about some important things. I appreciate, you know, having this opportunity to do so. Yes. And we we thank you and appreciate your service to our country for our freedom. Uh, and, and, you know, with you serving those combat tours and listening to kind of those formal definitions from Dr. Mike, are those that can you relate to those definitions? Yes. Um, as I think about that, I can tell you early on in my Army career, um, I experienced uh, one of those significant events, uh, trauma, uh, during the Desert Storm, Desert Shield uh, crisis in the Persian Gulf. Uh, 
And that was back in 1990 and 91. So I was deployed, young soldier, uh, young leader in the army as, as it really was. I was a sergeant at the time. And I only served there for about six months over in Iraq and, and, and Saudi Arabia. But during the 96 hour uh, ground campaign, as we call it, the actual war efforts, uh, I saw a lot of uh, combat operations. I experienced uh, one particular uh, incident was doing the movement north towards Baghdad. And we encountered a, a heavy Iraqi force uh, and they were actually in vehicles moving north trying to escape or, uh, you know, find protection. And, you know, in the business that I was in, you know, we sought out to destroy uh, the enemy. And because war is war, uh, a lot of casualties. And there was one particular moment that I, it just stayed with me. I didn't know it. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Um, but there was this particular moment where uh, we engaged a troop uh, carrier that had about uh, eight or nine Iraqi soldiers on the back of us. It was like a truck, a transporter. And when we hit the vehicle with uh, munitions, uh, it burst into flames uh, and it started burning everything. It consumed, the fire consumed everything. And I watched uh, those individuals on the back of that transport basically just burn to death. Uh, and it was the most horrific thing you would ever want to witness because you're listening to the screams and you see the bodies burn and you see people fighting for life and trying to escape that situation. And even after the burn had taken their life, uh, you could see uh, even the facial expressions from uh, just the heart of experiencing such, uh, you know, agony. Uh, and so it, it, you know, it, when you're in the middle of that, you're just doing what you've been trained to do. Um, and you don't know what the impact will be at that time. And so I kept going. I, I, I kept doing the, the business at hand. And, and I thank God that I was able to return from that particular situation uh, alive and well. Uh, so that was my firsthand experience with uh, such an event. And that's, that's one event that I think stuck with you. Yes. Uh, so I returned back to uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. I was in uh, Georgia at the time. And I didn't know, I think in the 90s for veterans, we, we really didn't know or understand some of this, especially someone as young as myself. I was about to age 21. Um, and I started having problems with sleep. Um, and it came, it surfaced with just night sweats. And the night sweats were so bad until in the middle of the night, I would wake up and my entire bed uh, would be wet from just me sweating. Uh, it was to the point where some nights I would wake up and have to take all of the, you know, the sheets and all the linings off the bed and then even flip the mattress over just because I didn't want to like sleep on a wet uh, mattress. Um, and it, it became so difficult until I just couldn't sleep. I found myself uh, waking up and, and not being able to go back to sleep. And, and as you know, sleep is so important uh, for you to function in life. And, and so that was the first sign. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, I started reliving uh, the images that I saw um, and what I could recall from, from the uh, war fighting uh, when I was over in the Middle East. And so 
that one particular incident that I described earlier was something that never, it seemed like it would never leave my mind. I found myself, uh, no matter what I was doing, if I was at work or if I was home, I could even be uh, out eating dinner or maybe taking in a good movie at a movie theater. And I would find myself just reliving that, that, that image. Uh, and it constantly just played out. And so I knew something was wrong. I, I didn't know what it was. I, I had no idea what it was, uh, but I sought uh, help. And I first uh, raised the issue with my, my leaders. Uh, Cause you know, in, in the military, we have a chain of command, we have structure. And I told my squad leader, my supervisor, that I was having problems with sleeping and I was having some issues with re just kind of recalling uh, the images uh, that I had witnessed while I was serving over in combat. Uh, so that was the first time that I that I experienced uh, some something like uh, the PTSD uh, uh, symptoms. Okay. Did, did that. So how much time elapsed between the event? that you described and that you started having the sleep disturbances ultimately, which probably you're right. You can't sleep, you can't function. Right. So what, but what, what was there a, was there a delay? Like did this happen almost immediately or was there, was this several years down the line? This was probably Dr. Mike, probably from what I can recall within the month of me returning home. Um, I, and I remember it because I, I moved from living in the dorm as a soldier to having my own place. I, I, I eventually moved into an apartment and I had uh, a roommate. It was another soldier at the time. And it's, that was when I started having the, the night sweats. Uh, and, that, and that was probably within a month after I returned. Uh, so how, how, how long was that from that episode? So from so that about episode, you were cheering, but from, but from the episode, yeah. From the episode, that would have probably been about two months time, time frame because it takes a little bit of time to actually come back from a war effort. Uh, if you're serving overseas, it takes sometimes about a, a month with all the planning and preparation going with uh, trying to get soldiers out of theater and back into the, you know, back into the United States. Uh, so it takes about a month for that. And then it was about a month after I, I was home trying to just have a normal life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm asking this because there's, there's some interesting research, Byron, going on showing that um, people who, the brain has this like survival mechanism where when you experience a traumatic event, a lot of people will relive that immediately within just a day or two and stuff. And that's part of the brain trying to like reset itself, protect itself and stuff. But there's some research showing that a lot of people, especially in the army with PTSD, they don't do that. There's like a delay. And it's mainly because you guys are still busy. You're still fighting. You're still doing all this stuff. There's a delay and the brain never goes through that survival mechanism. And then, and then down the line, maybe a year, or in your case, a few months, maybe a year, that's when you start reliving. It's like the, the survival mechanism in the brain is happening too late. Okay. In PTSD. So I, that's why I was asking. It's just, it's, it's not confirmed. It's just interesting research. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because for me, it wasn't immediately. I was still in the thick of things, uh, you know, coming out of battle and then preparing to come back home. You know, you're, you're really busy. Uh, you have a lot to do. And, and then actually getting back on the ground, back at your home base, uh, as I said, Fort Stewart, Georgia at the time. Uh, and so just busy, 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 busy. And before you know it, you, you're like, 
several months have passed and then you and then you're able to kind of just take it all in uh yeah. so that's what very very interesting interesting yeah. timeline so you're having having the night sweats you're not sleeping you realize this is a problem you talk to your commander and and so now i, I would say the the work begins on yeah. trying to uh process and manage this trauma. So can you take us through like how did what was that process like and what did you do? Well, um you know, for me it, it's something I had to really tell myself I can I won't be able to function as a soldier. And and I really wanted to be a very good soldier. So um I, I didn't want things to get out of control and spiral out of control to where I wasn't able to perform, especially if, if you're a leader. I was a young leader at the time, a young sergeant. So I had soldiers under my supervision. And so I wanted to be able to show up and give my best effort with trying to lead them and take care of them. And I had to first recognize that I can't do that unless I am able to take care of myself first. Uh, so I, I started going to therapy. Uh, so talk therapy was the first thing. Uh, I, I went to the, the healthcare system, uh, utilized the healthcare system on Fort Stewart, and I started talk therapies. Uh, and then as I went through just the basic uh, therapies with talking one-on-one with a, with a therapist uh, and a counselor, so I, I was assigned a social worker to kind of help me cope with life, uh, to help me, you know, you know, train myself to kind of deal with just life coping uh, techniques and things that was going to help me be more successful. Um, but the talk therapies really helped because I was able to kind of talk about what was occurring. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I found very uh, helpful was the what they call CPT, which is the cognitive uh, processing therapy, where, you, you know, a lot of people, when they, it's kind of like the fight or flight uh, uh, method. Well, you try to suppress it. You, you, you don't want to really like relive it. So you try to tuck it away. And that is not the best approach. In my opinion, the best approach is to talk about it. And so I really uh, gravitated towards being able to talk about my experience uh, with my therapist, but also uh, she, it was a young, young lady, she recommended that I consider group therapy as well, because now I'll be talking with other veterans and other people who have similar or, or uh, you know, like uh, experiences. And we could collectively talk about those things and not try to lock it away or put it away. Uh, and that helped with, with, with just understanding that um, we have to live in the moment, uh, be in the moment. One of the things they taught us was be in the moment. And with that, when you look at being in the moment, um, you focus on where you are and what you're doing and not try to relive the trauma, uh, that significant emotional event. You, you focus on the positive things that are occurring in your life, uh, you, know, you know, present, uh, past, present, and even future-wise. It makes me wonder, um, Byron, you know, you, you, you you know, boys, boys don't cry. We're not supposed to talk about our feelings and the stigma of mental health. How, I mean, are there veterans out there who are just suffering with this and not seeking the help because of, of those, of that stigma or, or is it more talked about in the army now? Are, are people, 
are your are the commanders and stuff accepting the leaders accepting this more and 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 making it okay to come forward if you're having issues? Okay, so Dr. Mike, uh, Dr. Crystal, uh, I think uh, my knowledge of uh, dispelling the myth is that the first thing we have to do as individuals, not not just uh, veterans uh, or soldiers, is to first recognize that you have a problem. Uh, after you recognize that you have a problem, you seek help because you most likely won't be able to figure out uh, all the things that's going to be necessary for you to kind of move past this. And so, uh, you know, back in the 90s when I first experienced this, um, we, we didn't have what we have in place now. And there was a myth. There, there was that the idea that if you started to seek mental health uh, therapies or you, you're being medicated for whatever reason because of PTSD, uh, that you'll get labeled. Um, and I didn't see that. Uh, my experience wasn't such that I can say that that was something that most veterans experience. But what I would tell you is now it's absolutely okay. Uh, the, the, the military has evolved and we realize because of the horrors of war, it's so necessary that we talk about it and that leaders talk about it, that soldiers talk about it because it gets at the heart of resiliency. And so uh, the army, put a program together, it was called Resiliency Trainer, Master Resiliency Trainer, uh, MRT. And they designed this program where every unit or every organization had what they considered an expert. Uh, this person went through uh, a lot of training and educating to become the master trainer for that organization. And then we also worked with the chaplains, uh, the chaplain ministry teams within organizations to kind of help with that process. So we had two, two individuals assigned and dedicated to an organization to help soldiers understand that it was okay. So we, 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 we and we want to practice what we preached. Uh, and so uh, the first thing the individual had to understand was you're not invincible, okay? You don't have a cape around your neck. Uh, and although we train you to go and keep going and never quit, be adaptive, uh, to get the job done, uh, to bounce back. Uh, that's just in a, I guess, in a, a, a theory uh, or concept where uh, you really have to exercise from a physical standpoint, what will it take for me to be able to do my job and perform very well? And therapies help. Uh, and so I would tell you, Dr. Mike, um, medicating, uh, is, is, is also accepted. It's okay. Um, what I would tell or encourage anyone who struggles in, in the PTSD, uh, realm where you're, you're just not able to function. You're not able to do a lot of things and be productive. You're not able to sleep. You just, your mind is, is spiraling out of control. You live with a lot of anxiety. You're avoiding people, uh, seek out help because even the medications, um, I was prescribed a sleep medication and, and it, it helped me so much tremendously. I was able to sleep better. Uh, I was prescribed a medication uh, to reduce or suppress nightmares and that helped a lot. Um, and I didn't worry about the stigma. Uh, my leadership knew about it and it was okay. Um, and I would recommend and encourage anyone to look past that myth of 
you're going to be labeled and you won't be seen as a capable individual or or leader. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the medications, Byron, because we're all different. We're all unique. And, and I think it often takes a multifactorial approach, right? Dr. Crystal, would you agree? Right. And if it's what, what works is what works. And if it's a combination of meds and therapy or whatever, hallelujah. Like, I'm going to thank God is working, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you also incorporate it. Oh, were you? I wanted to add. So when you're looking at the different approaches, one approach that I didn't even consider. And a lot of times, because you struggle with dealing with this and you don't know where to turn, you will, will turn to advice such as addiction uh, and, 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 and very bad addictions, negative addictions, like using drugs, illegal drugs or alcohol use. Um, and I told myself, because I wanted to be my best self and because I wanted to work on my wellness, uh, so I looked at things in, in the light of uh, uh, physical fitness, uh, mental fitness, and then spiritual fitness. Um, and, you know, I was young at the time, but I, I knew for me what was going to help me channel some of this and deal with some of this was the physical fitness aspect of it. Uh, and so I started to really learn the art and science of working out, going to a gym, and I know a lot of people say, well, soldiers work out anyway. You guys, you're required to just stay healthy. That's true. But it's at a very, very minimal <laughs> scale of when you look at fitness. Uh, yes, we go out and run and we do some calisthenics. But outside of that, that's about it. <laughs> and so it's very, very basic. Yeah. Uh, and I took the approach, uh, well, I'm going to go past that because I wanted to be a superstar. And so, yeah. uh, and I wanted to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my soldiers to understand that you can overcome anything if you just focus on the things that's going to help you uh, be better. And so for me, I, I dove into uh, health and wellness and fitness. Uh, I think Dr. Crystal, you was probably going to talk about that. No, <laughs> no, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so Dr. Mike, I... Uh, started to really learn. I started reading everything I could find. Uh, back then, we didn't have YouTubes and, and, and those types of <laughs> media devices and, and platforms. So it was just all in a book <laughs> and doing some research online. The old fashioned way, Rob Byron. Did you have moving these at least? <laughs> we did have these. Well, <laughs> I didn't have, I don't remember. We had VHSs back then. You can okay. get a yeah, tape, uh, but I don't, I, I really took it serious and it became a part of who I am today. It shaped who I became and now who I am today, where I put fitness, those three areas of fitness. Uh, uh, when you look at wellness, total wellness, uh, I try to exercise that in, in my daily uh, routines. That's fantastic. Yeah. I glad, I'm, you know, even, even you're bringing up so many great points, Byron, even bringing up um, the addiction side of this for some of the veterans. Um, and again, I, it's, I understand they're, they're, they're just, they're self-medicating, you know, they're trying their best to treat their, their, their issue. it's and you're right. That's not, there's better ways of doing that, but um, I mean, that's, you know, God bless them. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying their best. They just, they're they're going down the wrong way with it, but that's what it is. They're just trying they're trying to medicate. Yeah, and I, and if I can add one addiction that we don't always recognize is an adrenaline addiction. 
But for combat veterans, if you look at, I know soldiers who, you know, uh, Dr. Crystal talked about me um, serving in the military with five combat tours. Well, I know individuals um, that have served even more than the five. I, I've, I've known soldiers who had 10 combat tours because when you look at the war efforts doing uh, Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom, Freedom, which was Iraq uh, campaigns and the uh, Afghanistan campaign, it was a long period. You know, you're looking at over a decade. Uh, and so there are soldiers and veterans who have served multiple, multiple, multiple times over in that theater. Uh, doing combat operations. And they somehow developed this addiction towards adrenaline and, and the rush of being in the thick of things, as we call it, being in the fight. And so that's another form of an addiction that you got you have to sort through and try to understand that that has become what you would consider normal. But it's not normal to seek uh that type of adrenaline I, I can understand getting in your car and just driving real fast because you want to drive your mustang real fast um but going out and wanting to be put in harm's way or be in combat operations because you love the adrenaline that you receive from it the, you gain that it's also something that uh, can become very problematic for for a lot of veterans and so uh, that's just another form of an addiction that you have to be conscious of. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you, what you're describing, I know it's, it's coming from the perspective of being a veteran, but this is helpful for anyone dealing with PTSD. I know Dr. Michael with our, um, on our previous show at the LE live, we talked about the little T's and the big T's. You were, I would say yours are big T's of course. Uh, but regardless of the, the size of the T or the type of, of trauma you've experienced, um, everyone's different. And what's traumatic for one person may not be traumatic for for another. And if you're having those re those recurring thoughts, or those recurring memories or heightened perceptions of threats or re-experiencing those traumas, I think everything that you're describing, how you push through uh, and, and the steps you took with the talk therapy, uh, the cognitive, I think you call it KP, CPT, their cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, uh, can apply to anyone, Dr. Mike. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, this is fantastic, Byron. Thank you for sharing your your story with us. You know, we I always like kind of to end interviews by asking our guests, you know, what like what's what final thoughts do you have for the audience? Or what, is there a a take-home message that they can um, leave, uh, you know, when they stop listening, that, that'll stick with them. Um, and maybe they can share it with somebody else. Yes. Well, the, the first thing is you're not alone. Um, you know, sometimes you can, uh, because you don't know how to process what you're experiencing, you think you're alone in that uh, as, as you try to deal with what's, what's occurring. Um, but you're not alone. And although sometimes uh, you're, you know, if you're married, your your spouse or significant other may not understand it. Uh, if you have children, they won't, may not understand it. Uh, you know, when you're getting up and going to work every day, your supervisor, your employer may not understand it. The, the, the first thing you have to do is tell yourself, although I feel like I'm alone in, in this 
situation, you have to realize that you're not because uh, you have you have support. You 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 can get support. Uh, and when you look at what's available, there are so many things that's available and tools that you can use to to first recognize the symptoms, understand them, and then develop a treatment plan uh, and processes that will help you. You know, you, you you'll be given certain tools that will help you just cope. And part of coping is first understanding what it is and then putting things in place and practices that day in and day out that will help change how you see things and how you, you what you're feeling about things. Um, the, the second thing is um, it's it's OK that you are dealing with or going through what you're going through. Don't be ashamed. Um, don't let the idea that it's a bad thing that you are dealing with some mental health issue or having some mental health issues, uh, you know, because we're all going to go through it at some point um, in your life. It, it's just part of living um, and how you how you bounce back that resiliency piece is predicated on your actions. And that's, uh, you know, living in the moment, be in the moment, but also change feelings by changing thoughts. Don't think about all the negatives that you may be experiencing and feeling and going through. Think about something positive. Think about some things that can change just how you look at life and, and, and what you're taking as you, as you go day to day uh, with, with life itself. Uh, the last thing is, um, you know, I talked about one of the fitnesses, but spiritual fitness. Um, if you're not someone who believes in uh, having a relationship with God, um, then that's okay. But if you're someone who believes in God, I would tell you to just kind of put that in action as well. You you want to you know pray about it and ask for guidance from from uh, you know God. Um, and then the last thing is. Even when it, you you think you're at your darkest moment, um, you're you as low as you can go. Just know that it, it it can change. It can change if you believe that it can change and that things can get better. Um, I remember just thinking about a few things that that brought me to my darkest days, and what kept me going was I knew I had, um, and that was because. One, God granted me life. Two, I had family. I, I, I had friends. I had colleagues that, you know, saw me as this individual that was, whether you could say a special individual or just a unique individual, or they just saw me as an individual that uh, brought certain things to their lives. Uh, and so what you do day in and day out, it's, it serves someone. It serves something. And it's important that you recognize that you are productive, you can be productive, and you bring value, uh, not to just the people around you, but other people uh, that you may encounter. So those things help me. And, and uh, you know, I hope that uh, the, the, the audience, the, the, the people that may uh, tune in, understands that the first thing I said was, you're not alone. Excellent. Uh, seek out help. Yeah. and know that it's available. Yeah, 
Excellent. You're listening to Sergeant Major Ferguson, 29 years of active duty. Um, let's see here. You received Legion of Merit Medal, two Bronze Star Medals, five Army Commendation Medals. And, and then Dr. Crystal wrote many other medals, ribbons, and acknowledgments. So I'm sure there's a, a, a whole bunch more. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with PTSD and, and how you manage it. Um, it was just fantastic. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me again. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, don't forget our sponsor, Dr. Crystal, Life Extension, loves our audience, and they're going to give you a 10% discount on orders of 50 or more with free shipping and handling. And all you got to do when you check out at lifeextension.com is use the uh, code word podcast. Podcast. That's all you got to do. That's pretty cool. And don't forget, we have lipreverish.com where we have many other uh, episodes for you to download, like, and share, comment. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, subscribe. So you never miss a show that's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. That's Dr. Crystal. Thanks for listening.